Hey, mother. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to another edition of Yippie Kai Mother Podcast. I'm Ralph Quartrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Michelle Wojo Wojcikowski, and this is my husband and sidekick, Brad Barrowie. And I'm John Quatrucci. And I'm Drew Gould. And who are you? I'm Deborah Murphy. Well, hello, everybody. This is a very special edition of Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast. We're going to call it the Mise en Scene edition. We're all going to show a scene from a movie that we brought to the table, and we want to share it with everybody. So I'm going to start with my scene. And it's from the 1981 film called Das Boot. Das Boot. Has anyone seen Das Boot? Yes. Yeah, I, I saw the American version, though, dubbed one. The, the Boat? I think that's what I saw. I saw this in 1981 at a theater in Boston the week it came out. So I saw it in German with the English subtitles and was blown away. So I'm going to show you the scene that I picked, which is, comes towards the end of the movie after the um, crew has been bombarded by the unseen enemy, you never see the enemy in the movie. You only get the German perspective. So you're in the submarine practically the whole movie. A couple times they come up. And this is a scene where they've been pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. They're losing oxygen, and they're buried at the bottom of the ocean, and they're just hoping that they can get up. What year was this, Ralph? I, I, did you say that? What year? Yeah, 1981. 1981. And it had a very visceral effect on me when I saw it at the movie theater. Beide Diesel. So, jetzt kommt's nochmal auf an. So you spend about, now the director's cut of this movie is about three and a half hours long, but the original was probably about two hours, maybe a little over two, I don't exactly remember. And you spend the whole time in the boat with these German U-boat sailors, number one. Two, you're rooting for these guys. I mean, it's ridiculous. And like I said, you never see the enemy. They're getting bombarded. The whole movie's about them just trying to evade all these things. Um, the scene that, I, specifically, it's when the captain goes up and opens up the hatch, and the air starts coming in. And those guys are looking up and just breathing the air. Literally, at the movie theater, you felt like you could breathe again. It was the most amazing experience I've ever had at a film where you're completely immersed in what's going on there and you, you just feel the air coming in. It was, it was an amazing feeling. And um, I, I love the movie. It's very claustrophobic. These poor bastards, they spend the whole movie. They get all the way. I don't know if you've seen it. 1981, I'm going I'm gonna to spoil, spoil it. it. They come up. They get to their base. And as they all come out of the sub, they get strifed by, by these airplanes. And they all, basically all of them get killed, including the captain. Oh. You know, and it's just the most brutal film. Checking that off seen. my list. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an amazing um, uh, uh, Wolfgang. Wolfgang Peterson directed it. Wolfgang did so an amazing at, job. at that point, they were about to. They had no oxygen. They were just rebreathing their own air, right? They were just down there rebreathing their air. Yeah. And you can see the way he shot it. You know, they're all clustered around. Yeah. They're very claustrophobic. The guys look filthy. I mean, you look like you were living in that sub forever. And they spent all the money on the submarines and the design of the submarines. So they really get that right. And if you've seen it, you know that they did a lot of great shots in there. And some of the footage that they shot was pretty amazing. 
But it was just, it's the most visceral, you know, other than a horror movie, which you have different reactions to. This one, I physically had a reaction as if I were on that sub. And it was amazing. And even with the subtitles. Apparently it's very realistic as far as just the, the, the close quarters. And you just, you can almost smell... You know the stink of all those men and their fear yeah. and all that stuff. And that, they that, described it as the claustrophobic world of a World War II German U-boat: boredom, filth, and sheer terror. And it's it's really it's really an amazing film. I so. will say one thing about that film: when I got my first, it was the surround sound system. That was always the disc I used because it had a great audio mix. That's Especially amazing. Especially at the time when they're under and the um, bolts start shooting. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, you know, the sound is all around you. It's well, the scene right before, and, and the scene right before this one is when they get bombarded by who knows what are being dropped into the water. Depth charges, depth charges, and and they're, they're just explosions are going crazy, and uh, it's just a very well done, well directed, well acted. Uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, uh, the captain. Part, 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 part yeah, that made him, you know, household name. He's actually spoofed. He's actually spoofed. Household name none of us could come up with. Yeah. I know. Well, you know what I mean. He spoofed it in Beer Fest. I don't know if you saw Beer Fest, but he played a sub commander in Beer Fest. They take a sub over to the United States. So he's done a lot after this one. I, anyway. like, that they, I like that they use that sub in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, is that the one they used? Yep. Look at you. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, my, that's my surface Indiana Jones was holding on That's to. right. Suspend your disbelief. He held his breath a long time. And you're rooting for Germans, which is unusual. Um, Wolfgang Peterson had, uh, I think he had a pretty interesting career because he, I mean, he went to Hollywood and he did a movie that's one of my favorite little guilty pleasures, which is Enemy Mine. Oh, yeah. Dennis Dennis Craig, yeah, good movie. But then he goes on to make really big action movies like, you know, Outbreak and, I mean, Air Force One. Yeah, he's Air Force One, yeah. He did Line of Fire, too, didn't he, in the Line of Fire? Yeah, I think he's in the Line of Fire. And and he did The NeverEnding Story, of course, his most important film. But, um, you know, it's, it's exciting because he, he never stopped being a really good filmmaker. There's a lot of people, they come to Hollywood, they get the money and the, the huge budgets, and you go, well, that doesn't feel like they're movies anymore. But he never made a, a really dumb movie. It always felt like he wanted to put you in the environment that he was in. So that little, that little sub that he started in, that, that's shaped his whole career. It's really interesting. Yeah, he's done great. Um, and they did a, I guess they did a miniseries in 1985. Oh, wow. I was reading on IMDb. I don't know if it was just the movie chopped up, but um, according to IMDb, there was a miniseries as well, starring the unnamed actor who we don't know the name of. Jürgen Prochem. <laughs> there you go. So that's my uh, scene. Um, any questions? I think you've answered it sufficiently. Okay. What a great job, Ralph. We can move right along. So Let's go. Sean, Sean, you're next. <laughs> okay, well, my, my scene is from the film with the longest title that we'll be watching tonight. 1964, the, Stephen Co- the Stanley Kubrick film, Dr. Strangelove, or How oh. I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. And um, this is for, right from the end, and I want to give it a little context. Um, we're with a bomber crew that's about to um, drop a nuclear weapon on a um, Soviet missile site. Unbeknownst to the crew, we are, we are not at war. And unbeknownst to the crew, the Russians have developed a doomsday device that if it detects radiation in the air, will set off a series of bombs which will end all life on Earth. You know, so um, 
another upper here. Uh, the stakes are high. Is this, this, is, this is one of my favorite comedies, but it's also very serious at times, too, strangely. So here they are, and um, they've, um, they're on the final bomb run, but the bomb bay doors wouldn't open. Okay, so here we go. One of my favorite actors, too. Hey, what about Major Kong? <laughs> loved ones suffer from mental illness <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, well, well one question little background if you notice we had darth vader i was just gonna ask there's darth vader in there Angel jones. Yeah. jones who's, the, who's the guy on who's the guy on the bomb slim pickens uh, slim pickens cowboy star did you ever yeah. see the movie failsafe oh yeah like yeah. this the series henry fonda uh, larry yeah. hagman yeah sydney lament yeah so that uh, uh, some week you're going to quote a movie and you're going to say, "Have you seen the movie, whatever?" And Brad and I are going to go, "Yeah, we." I can't. I can't wait for that. Actually, we're kind of we're testing. So that's a so that's the end of that comedy. Okay. Yeah. So well, no, actually, there's some really funny stuff comes up after that. Oh. Uh, just a little background on the <laughs> role of <laughs> is that um, originally Peter Sellers, who plays three other roles in this film, was going to play the um, Peter was going to play. Slim Pickens' role too, but he broke a leg or a broken ankle and wasn't able to do it, so um, so he wasn't able to play that role. And um, obviously, Darth Vader's in there. But what I love about this is, um, you know, Slim Pickens does a great job with this. You know, you're following these people throughout the entire um, throughout the entire um, course of the film, cutting back to them, and they're facing all sorts of travails and. Um, they're barely hanging on by their fingernails, getting where they are. And you're, even though you know if they succeed, it's the end of the world. But you, it's a case of transference. You really root for them because they're, they're working so hard and they're so competent at their jobs and everything. And they're going to drop that bomb no matter what. If it hair lips everyone on Bear Creek, they're going to drop that bomb, as they say at one point. And there's another great scene with Slim Pickens where they go through their um, survival kit contents which is hilarious what they had on the survival kit. I think it was actually a thing. And like your movie, this was shot in a, on a plane, I believe, not flying, but handheld camera on the plane, which was, which was very rare at the time to have this kind of handheld camera. But um, it's an, I feel it's a really iconic, um, iconic movie image there at the end with Slim Pickens on the bomb, you know, finally getting to, to finish his job. They weren't going to survive anyway, so might as well go out in style. Well, yeah, that no, wasn't so, the original ending, right? They shot another ending. No, no. Well, there was. There's an actor because after the, the bomb goes off, the people in the presidential bomb shelter discuss what's the next step, and that's when the uh, titular character, Doctor Strangelove, gives his plans, and he's a crippled German scientist, sort of, you know, based on Werner von Braun you know, who was the Nazi who was um, involved in NASA. And um, and his hand kept wanting to do the salute. So yeah, yeah. It's like he keeps doing the, uh, the Nazi salute. And at the end, he's, he's so excited. He's talking to the president, and he stands up, and he realizes he's standing up, and he's like, Mein Fuhrer, I can walk! 
you know, and that's that's essentially the end of the film, you know, because of this, this poor, fragile man can walk again. And but they filmed the a pie fight. The they filmed yeah. a pie fight in the war room. Yeah, and a they did slapstick pie it. fight, and he said it didn't fit with the ending. That, that you know the message he was trying to send with the rest of the movie, but they filmed it. It's in the uh, it's in the DVD. You see the scene that they. I'm filmed. surprised. I'm waiting for the Blu-ray. But I don't know whether to buy it or wait for the Stanley Kubrick box that has everything. Oh, you know, it's a great. Uh, the supplementary stuff is great on that movie. Yeah, it was also the um, art direction of like the War Room, which we don't see here, was done by Ken Adams, who's also done many of the James Bond films. He was the English. Um, yeah, that uh, set was great. George yeah. C. Scott in this one as well? Yeah. The other one. Doing the gum the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So, good film. Good and job. Peter Sellers was unbelievable in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, and all the Peter roles. He was great. Yeah. Okay, you pass your time limit. You go. Stay oh. <laughs> oh, right. on point, everybody. Stay on point. Gentlemen, right. there's no fighting in the war room. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen. Fight. Uh, Wojo. Okay. You got Spotlight on Wojo. What? Mm-hmm. Spotlight on Wojo. Here we go. Uh, the film I chose, I chose a scene from was The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Favorite movies of all time. I've I, seen that movie! <laughs> what, what, what was it called again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it came out in 1994. It's based on a 1982 novella by Stephen King, which is actually called Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. Um, uh, I just I just adore this movie. When it first came out, it wasn't, we've talked about this before, but it was not, it didn't do well. It, there were a lot of movies out in 94 around the same time, and it just didn't do very well. And when it came out on, I guess, VHS, and um, when it came out after, um, it just took off. And now it's in a lot of, you know, the best movies of. Yeah, it's considered a cult classic and a classic. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it's the highest ranked movie on um, IMDb now too. Uh, it's amazing. Uh-huh. I just I didn't I didn't I didn't catch this movie when it came out. I like it. I just mm-hmm. never I never I don't know. Great great ending. I, don't get me wrong. I think it's 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 and Tim Robbins is fantastic. Oh, Tim. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all actually fantastic. And so is Morgan Freeman. Freeman. He's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, it is the top film. I just checked. Godfather's number two. Wow. shot too yep yep every time i see that shot i think great nipples (laughs) (laughs) okay all right well there's a whole other reason for that but all right (laughs) was that one of you guys doing the voice that didn't sound like morgan freeman it it sounded different it did i thought it was one of you guys doing the voice. it it was just i think it was slightly sped up a little bit or something Something. Oh, yeah, some, it yeah, did, did. Like it sounded it. off or something. Oh, Ralph, but, uh, you you artificially sped up the clip to get it done a little quicker. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, if you um, off of YouTube, well, they change. So anyway, Michelle, what do you think? Why did you choose that clip? Well, I'm glad you asked, Michelle. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, uh, the reason I chose that particular clip, first of all, the lighting is fantastic from from the beginning 
and from when he, you know, crawls through the first tube and he's hitting the thing with a lightning and, and, and it's the rule of three, you know, he hits it once, he hits it twice, the third time explodes. But at the end, that scene with him, first of all, it's been, it's been copied ever since in so many, I mean, whether it's spoofed or actually copied because it was a good shot that, you know, looking up, getting soaked in the rain, the, the, um, how it communicates freedom and redemption and just everything that's going to come after and all the crap that this guy, literally the crap that this guy has put up with um, after being put in prison for something he didn't do. And I just absolutely love that scene. It always hits me. Uh, It always brings out an emotional response. You know, I always get chills when I see it just because, you know, he spent a lot of time in there, getting abused for the for the uh the corrupt warden and and he figured out a way and this is just the beginning of what's to come i mean this isn't the end of the movie it's i know because then it's all morgan freeman's whole journey to go find him and that whole you know his what's his character's name in that Red. red 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 Yeah, so it's his whole journey to go find Andy again. Plus, the comeuppance that the warden gets, opening up the poster and all that was just... And the shoe. I think the shoe thing was even better, right? Didn't he have a box with shoes or something? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, That's our guy from the 33, the same actor that played the Chilean president there. (laughs) He played the warden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you know, (laughs) again... more likable in that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get this movie when it came out. And 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 I and I've seen it since, and I think it's I think it's well done, and it's well shot throughout the whole movie. I mean, like you said, it made no money right when it came out. It, it, Nothing. It, it was because the name awful. had a funky yeah. name. Nobody knew what nobody knew what the hell was going on. And mm-hmm. it was um, based on Stephen King, but it wasn't showing as a horror. Yeah. I mean, because I know Stephen King had had before this, he had had, um, you know, Stand by Me, which wasn't yeah. horror, but that still, you know, there was kids looking for a dead body. Um, and I think it just, it just fell through the cracks and, and we saw it, we probably saw it from Cranbrook video quite honestly or something. Um, but it was, it just, I just love it. it. Is this the one that Darabont like, uh, paid Stephen King a dollar to get the script or something? Wasn't there, Darabont was really, that's what Stephen King does with Mm-hmm. But Darabont was a big Stephen King guy, right? And, yes. and mm-hmm. he did yeah. the Green Mile as well. Yeah, and he did the Mist as well. Too. Right, and the right. Mist. Is that a Stephen King? I think that's a, yeah, that's a Stephen that's King. Awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he put his heart and soul in this movie. The director. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And did Tid Roberts? Did he do Hudsucker after this or before this? Four. They were the same year, weren't they? Ninety-four. I'm not sure. Because this is when Tim Robbins went through the roof, too, I think. I think this was the best thing he ever did. The player was pretty good. Yeah, but he he was better in this. And the one he did with, uh, uh, what's the one he did? Yeah, Hudsucker Proxy was in 94, too. Arlington Road. He was pretty good in that, too. Oh, Oh, my God. We love that movie. Great movie. Nuke Lelouch. That movie. Like, man. Nuke Lelouch. That's right. That's, um, that's a great yeah. movie. And that scene, that last scene is definitely iconic. I mean, that's the one everybody – Well, you're so that was on the to get out of there going yeah. through that tube with all the yeah. – It's gross. <laughs> so, well done. Yeah. Good one. That was a good John one. John Quattrucci. Very nice. Well, Quattrucci. Sorry. Well, I got to tell you, uh, since Ralph did this, I'm going to do it too. My first choice was going to be the end of uh, the original Planet of the Apes. 
because that's such an iconic mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know what? I'm a huge Gene Kelly fan. And the reason I am is because of Singing in the Rain. So mm-hmm. I almost did the scene from Singing in the Rain. But then I said, what's the scene <laughs> that had the biggest impact on me personally? I don't think this needs any introduction. It's from 1977. So, Ralph, just show it. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> The reason I picked this, I was never, I, I wasn't big into science fiction. Uh, I was TV science fiction, Star Trek, Lost in Space, Land of the Giants, that kind of stuff. I never saw 2001 and 77. So I saw this movie because the ad, uh, the advertisement for it said, it never has so much money been spent on a movie just to have fun. That was the ad. So, that's <laughs> I, to see it. so I had no idea. I knew it was space because from the previews, but I had no idea what to expect. So I'm sitting in the movie theater. And obviously, and we all, every week we seem to be talking about John Williams. The John Williams score starts with the scroll. And then you see the space. And all of a sudden you see this, what looks like a pretty big ship flying across the screen. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. All of a sudden you see this giant thing come across the screen, something I had never seen before, just literally fill up the screen. And for me, that was the point where I became a science fiction nut because I never saw anything like it. It made me want to get everything science fiction. And as you all know, I've talked about it before. I saw this movie in the movie theater 214 times in 1977 and 1978. So I saw it over and over and over because I was just blown away from it. Now, looking back on it compared to some some of the, like I think Empire was the better movie, much better movie. Mm -hmm. But uh, this one for me, that one scene changed everything for me. Uh, that's why I picked this one. Well, and you can never have that experience again. No, that that's can never be duplicated. No, that's right. And and I saw I saw a, a, a Carrie Fisher was in an interview and was at the the premiere. She hadn't seen it, and she said as soon as that ship came over her head, and she saw what you're describing, she said this is going to be a huge hit, and they all knew it right then and there, based on that one scene, because it was just you'd never seen anything like that before. But that's so true. You're right. You, you can't recreate that. You could see that a million times, and it's not going to have that first impact that I had when I said, what the hell? Look at yeah. that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I picked it. And it's one of my favorite movies, obviously. Well, yeah, it would have been much, much better, though, if it started with, like, a 15-minute dis- discussion about trade wars. Well, <laughs> don't even, I don't even talk about those movies. As far as I'm concerned, they do not exist. Yeah, this movie had hardly any backstory. It just went right in. It had yeah, the scroll. Which was right in the middle. Yeah, that's true. Serials. That that's was from true. the Flash Gordon serial. That's, that's why right. they did That's right. Anyhow, gave that's why. Back, I gave us the backstory. Well, that's I don't a good know, one. Uh, I, know, I don't know if you guys are science fiction fans or not, but what did you think when you first saw that scene? When you guys saw it, what did you think? I was amazed. I saw it at the Towson Theater second week because it didn't open in Baltimore first week, but I saw the um, commercials playing on the DC um, television stations, so I knew I was going to see it. I saw it um, that Saturday when it came in. 
I love this movie so much. Uh, but one scene I loved was uh, um, Luke uh, with the two moons. Oh, standing there? Yeah. 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 Sunset. So if you knew this was somewhere else. Yeah. With seeing two moons like that. Yeah. Where else on earth do you see that? Yeah, I think I had the trading cards. I don't think I got into it as obviously. I did not get into it as much as you did because I don't. I think I've only seen it maybe three times. Um, I had the trading <laughs> cards though. Yeah, yeah, I had the trading cards. Uh, trading Alien, cards. Ah! Alien came out when seventy seventy nine seventy nine. So yep. Alien definitely impacted me way more than this one did. Well, but um, completely different though. But when the sequels came out, the first one, I remember taking my son Max, who was probably six or seven at the time, waiting in line for hours to go see it, saying, this is going to be the most amazing experience you've ever had, and we slept <laughs> through that sequel. Wait, you're talk- <laughs> Wait, are you, you're not, not talking not Empire Strikes Back. Back the, you're uh, talking the, about the, the George Lucas, the, the 3D man. Yeah. The oh. first one with uh, oh. yeah, the Why first George take- Lucas. Oh. Yeah. And I was telling Max, you're not going to believe this experience you're going to have, and it just <laughs> never wow. wanted to see another one after yeah. that. That was it. That was his. <laughs> that, that was I mean, his that's, and that, you know, like I said, you're trying to capture that experience you had when it came out that first time and it just can't happen. No. Well, I will say when I saw the sequel, the uh, first of the sequels of the uh, newer movies, the Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace. When, I that, when it hit the screen, I saw it like first, first screening. So did I. Um, as soon as that iconic movie in the screen and, you know, the scroll, and the, the, scroll. And the scroll, right. I People, mean, the cheer that right, went yeah. up, at yeah. that moment. Yeah. It didn't yeah. last, though, did, did it? Did they cheer on the way out? <laughs> no. Not no. Not they cheered on the way out. I, I, like, I was so back. caught up with emotion, I didn't realize it was a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I slept through half of it. Drew, it did you awful. see it? What did you think, Drew? Well, I mean, I grew up on Star Wars. I remember I saw it. Uh, you know, I guess they used to re-release movies every year. Yeah. And so I, I was a little kid, but I saw it in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, mm. two days in a row. And that's where my grandparents lived. And I mean, you know, I, I, I loved it and I couldn't explain what I loved about it. I mean, that scene, not only is it something you've never seen before, but you know, that moment of look at that big ship. Oh, just kidding. It's a much bigger <laughs> ship. But you also know immediately, okay, well, I know who the good guys and the bad guys are. And those bad guys are scary because they're shooting and look how big they are. And that's before Darth Vader walks on the screen. You know, I was four years old and another I was another good scene. Darth Vader. Yeah. I remember Darth Vader came to the science center when I was a little kid and you could go and shake his hand and I was genuinely terrified. <laughs> but, but I was going to say, and he didn't talk cause they didn't have James Earl Jones off screen, but um, <laughs> the best thing I've seen star Wars, cause I love those movies and I wasn't one of those, you know, George Lucas raped my childhood people, but the prequels were very disappointing. <laughs> and the best star Wars thing I've seen since return of the Jedi to my great pleasant surprise, is actually The Mandalorian, which is oh, the, I love the Mandalorian. first TV series oh, yeah. that's on Disney Plus. The second yeah. season coming out soon. That is that feels right. That yeah. feels like Star Wars. They take the right stuff seriously, but they're having fun. It, you won't confuse it with hard science fiction or anything. That's but, because of John Favreau. Oh yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's in charge just of that, yeah, he's taken over because uh, they screwed up so bad in the last three movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh my God, that last one was horrible. They were like the whole. They're going to stuff up as they were going along. That they're was going to wreck all the movies. Rogue One. I thought Rogue One. Rogue One was, was very good. Rogue One was good. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn. Solo is, great. is bad. All right, that's it. Minutes. We're talking about one scene. Now we're getting off path. I know. Let's that's go, what I mean. Brad's next. Okay. Let's go, Brad. Time's up. Who, Brad? Who's up? Brad's up. I guess I'm up. All right. So I get to introduce my movie. So. 
I decided to pick a scene from My Cousin Vinny, which was released in March of 1992. Uh, this is probably not my, it's one of my top few favorite comedies of all time. I just, I just love this movie. Um, it, it's just, I mean, well, I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but I, it's a very realistic movie in terms of legal movies, and it's actually cited in, by a lot of legal professors and things like that as being very accurate to real life with the, the legal proceedings and things like that. But um, but I that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true, huh? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. It is very true. Yeah, they they said it's very very accurate, and um, be, actually, the, the director Jonathan Lynn um, has a law degree from uh, Cambridge University. And wanted and insisted on it being true to life. Oh wow! The, the legal stuff. So, um, so I, I love that about it. And uh, and the scene I picked, I picked this scene. There's so many good scenes in it, but I picked this one because I think this is a good, like, a big turning point in the movie. At, you know, at the beginning. Um, I mean, I can. I guess a quick overview is um, so these two college kids are traveling through the country, and they they're going through Alabama. They stop into a convenience store. Um, and uh, pick up a bunch of things while Ralph Macchio, who's playing Bill, um, decides to put, he has no more room in his hand, so he throws a can of tuna in his pocket. They pay for everything they leave. Um, right afterwards, they get pulled over by a cop who, you know, pulls out a gun and everything. They think they're getting pulled over because they stole a can of tuna, <laughs> and Alabama is very, you know, you know, archaic and strict and everything. Uh, turns out they're being charged with murder. Um, and the, the state thinks they have this great case against them, so they have to call in a lawyer, and the only lawyer they know is his cousin, Vinny, who has no experience. So we'll, we'll go into that, but that's kind of the, the setup here. All right. Were these magic grits? I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Uh, your objection, Your Honor. Objection sustained. Are you Mr. sure about Tipton, that five minutes? Ignore the question. Know. Are you sure about that five minutes? I don't know. I think you made your point. Are you sure about that five minutes? I may have been mistaken. I got no more use for this guy. That's a great scene. I love that scene. <laughs> and it's it's just a great scene. It's, it's kind of the turning point because before all up until this point, you'd think he's just kind of this big buffoon who, you know, he's he's kind of big and he's a lawyer, but it took him six years after law school to get his the path the bar. Um, he kept failing it. Um, he, you know, he does nothing but personal injury cases. He's never been in court. Um, and he gets this, you know, he's, you know, given, you know, this task of, you know, just, you know, keep, saving them from the death penalty. Exactly. Yeah. Keeps, yeah. Keeping his cousin out of, you know, off a death row. Um, but it, it's just a great scene, you know, before that you don't see it, but he, he, well, of course you see, he's wearing that goofy <laughs> hand store tuxedo because, his other one's got mud, and then the whole, the whole cleaner's got the flu. Or no, or, 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 there was no one flu. other client. Yeah. <laughs> the only cleaner the town's got the flu. Got the flu. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just love that scene, and it's like I said, it's 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 it, you know they, the legal stuff is very true to life because you know he insisted on that. But um, I also, I mean, just there's some great characters in this movie. Fred Gwynn is awesome in this movie. It was his, it was his last feature film. Oh wow. But um, but he was so good in that. The whole cast was good in that. Well, the guy playing Great the DA, cast. the guy playing yeah. the DA. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. That you think uh, is going to just cry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, Marissa Tomei won the Oscar for but this one, was, right? Yeah. And she really did. Well, she's not sure. Allegedly. 
No, they said they said it was the. Um, what are they going to say? They made a mistake. Come on, Brad. Yeah, please. <laughs> well, right up until that. I was kind of shocked when she won it. Honestly, I right up until he they made don't the, win for comedies. Yeah, that turn he made when he the fight when he comes up to him, he goes, "You sure about that yeah. five minutes?" And yeah. he's coming at him. That's the turn that he makes where he becomes a serious uh, lawyer mm-hmm. in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he still uses Marissa Tomei, you know, in that great scene right. she does the car thing and then he, the picture and all that. But, yeah, I mean, that scene is when he starts becoming, the, and the judge takes him seriously, and then the DA's taking him seriously, mm-hmm. and we start mm-hmm. taking him seriously. Mm-hmm. And definitely Machio and the other guy, I think there's a scene where he goes, I want – he fires yeah, his uh, lawyer. Because his I lawyer is stuttering. Because right. he gets the stutter. <laughs> it's getting better. Right. <laughs> hey, the two youth line was put in there because uh, Fred Gwynn really misunderstood Joe Pesci for real. That's why they, oh, wow. they built the whole thing around it. Well, they, they, no, actually, it was the director, I, I think I said. He was having a conversation with the director about it, and, the, and it was like the same, the same going back the and forth. The same exact thing. That was so funny. Like two youths. Two what? And he went, what? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah, good choice, Brad. Good choice. Thank you. It must have been hard to pick one scene from that movie. Because oh, it was, yeah, there's so many oh, good scenes. Was, we watched the movie again. Well, because there were some Marissa Tomei scenes, yeah. like you said, and. I mean, oh, the, about the deer. Yes, you know, the, the you think he that... cares what you're wearing? Bullet in the head? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when he could, we, you, I could beat you up or take $200. Been, <laughs> yeah, he jumps on the guy at the bar. Yeah. That's How do I know that's not a dollar bill wrapped around her? Uh, $20 bill wrapped around, around a bunch, around bunch of ones. ones. And he's like, <laughs> and, you know, especially, was this before or after he started doing Lethal Weapon? When he was like, you realized oh. Pesci could be funny. Uh, I think this was. I think this was after Lethal Weapon. I think yeah. Weapon Two, yeah, like. Yeah, I think this might have been after. Yeah, eighty nine. So this was a couple years after. Because you never expect him to be funny, and he, right. just, he nails. Oh, it. that was a good one. They were too. trying to make a sequel yeah. for a long time too. That would have been awesome. Oh, my yeah. cousin Vinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Gambini, uh-huh. that was his name, right? I love it because he's he's so you know like you said everybody starts respecting him and think oh yeah he actually is really good but he's still him. Right. I'm not with this guy. I'm not with this guy. <laughs> well, you got to remember the whole time. The whole time he knows he might get caught when they find out he's really right. not a lawyer. Oh yeah. He's changing names. <laughs> that clock is ticking the whole time. Jerry Gallo. It's Jerry Gallo. Gallo with the C. You're not going to find Jerry Gallo. It's Gallo. He's dead. Exactly. You remember when he was doing that? that one time when he was explaining, he got caught and he explained him and he knocked over the chess piece. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't in the script. Yeah. He did that as part of it. Well, if, okay. you, if you remember, you said that that's, uh, that's the scene where they start to take him seriously. And also mm-hmm. we discover that he's a fraud. So what I like to do is I think that every Joe Pesci movie after that is a sequel to My Cousin Vinny. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's in Goodfellas and he's in The Irishman and, you know, he, uh-huh. he, he took a turn. And then you don't have to, you don't have to miss the, the sequel that was never made. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's good in everything that he does, uh, potentially. So... All right, he was who's in the up? Home Alone oh. movies after Drew that. is up. Okay, 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 okay. All right, Drew. Okay. All right, Drew. Okay, so um, John actually mentioned one of my absolute favorite. It's it's not just the one movie; it's all the movies, even the shitty ones of uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, the original five movies are, are incredible because as they made more of them, they made they made them much more ambitious and spent a lot less money on each yeah, one. A lot less. <laughs> you can you can start the cycle of five movies on any movie. It runs in a circle. 
the, uh, the, the remake with Mark Wahlberg was actually the first date I had with my now wife. So that's, um, oh, wow. that's always a special, uh, a special memory, even though it's a terrible movie with amazing makeup. <laughs> yeah, and I felt oh, super yeah. weird about how attractive I was to chimpanzee Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, everybody has these moments. But then they, they put out um, the movie that I picked a scene from uh, in 2011, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And uh, it's an excellent movie, which was followed by an even better sequel, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then an excellent movie to finish the trilogy, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. And what they are doing is they're definitely, they're definitely taking ideas and remaking things from um, the original movie series. But I remember my first time I saw that movie, my jaw was on the floor just because it was so good. And part of why it was so good is because um, the main character is this ape, that you'll see in the scene, Caesar, who's played by Andy Serkis, and we'll talk about that after. But one of the big things in the legends of the apes all the way back to the original movies is that there was an ape who said no, and that ape was named Caesar. So in this movie, uh, all you really need to know, if you haven't seen it, you should see it because it's amazing. But Caesar is an ape that um, James Franco basically adopted him, and he was doing research in uh, Alzheimer's medicine, and so essentially what happened was he, James Franco was trying to make medicine to help his father, played by John Lithgow. But the, uh, the ape Caesar got this medicine and it gave him basically human intelligence. So he gets in trouble protecting John Lithgow. He ends up in this very sad chimp sanctuary place. And right before this scene, he is actually snuck out of the sanctuary, gotten the drugs out of James Franco's refrigerator and given it to all of the, all of the apes in the sanctuary. So when you watch this scene, all of the apes have just basically become as intelligent as humans, and Caesar has had enough of the abuse that they've suffered. Take your stinking bar off me, you damn dirty No! There you go. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know. Have, have you guys actually seen that film or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the I know that's a longer scene. And actually, Ralph even let it play a little bit longer than I asked, which I appreciate because the whole thing ends with stop. Well, the whole thing breaking out. I mean, that, that, that scene tells you everything you need to know about Caesar and his values. And uh, he wants to be free. He wants to not be tortured. He doesn't want to kill anyone. He'll only kill you if you threaten him. I mean, he grabs that shock stick from um, the uh, from Tom Felton, who you may recognize as Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies. Uh, oh, that's where he was. I did. He, he, takes it from him, he throws it on the ground. He's not interested in the violence of it. He rescues Rodney, who's seen Rodney earlier in the movie, and he's just kind of a dumb, soft guy. And Caesar doesn't want him to get hurt. Um, although I don't know if anybody could survive that like ten seconds of being pounded by a whole bunch of chimps uh, in real life, but. Um, that that is such a it's such a powerful scene, and the, I think the reason that it's so resonant with me, and that it's so resonant over time, I mean, to stand up and say no, is such a powerful thing that you're seeing even today in in the streets of this country, and and all over the world, people are saying no, and you know, as allegories go, the Planet of the Apes movies are they're pretty obvious, and they always have been. Um, back when you go to the original series, by the time you get to the fourth movie. I mean, that is really, really dark. I mean, really, really dark, like uh, ape torture, slaves, all this crazy stuff. But um, I, I, I always come back to this scene um, 
I'm proud I didn't cry this time so I could talk about it after. But uh, it's a great movie. And um, Andy Circus, there's no actual chimps in, or any, any simians in the whole movie. All Andy motion characters. Yeah, Andy Circus. basically, it's like makeup. They got nominated for an Oscar. This is nine years after Andy Circus was Gollum in um, The Two Towers. Uh, this movie is now nine years old, and it still looks incredible. Just really yeah. incredible. And they do the call out, get your hands off me, you damn yeah. dirty ape, right? That's called Which out. I was going to say, I, I don't need that. I don't mind that. And, and Tom Felton's American accent is not the world's most convincing. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from me. Because the, the thing is that, that that sound design of that scene, when the music swells and then he screams no, and then there's silence. Yeah. And you see people react. And you see Buck, this gorilla, who's a, a, an important character in the movie, you see him react in silence. And then the music goes. And this was um, this is Rupert Wyatt's movie, and Patrick Doyle did the score. And Rupert Wyatt actually um, did not end up doing the next two. They were by Matt Reeves, who's done some amazing stuff. And those are excellent movies. But this is a movie, uh, a movie that I keep coming back to, a series that I keep coming back to, and uh, just fantastic storytelling. And- but Drew, in the movie theater, the nose was in sync with his mouth, right? Yes, it was. Okay. This well, was the uh, you've got to remember this came oh, after tricky. this. This he did this after the uh, the Tim Tim uh, Burton's Planet of the Apes. Right. Yeah. So he had a lot riding on making this one work because that one. Well, the makeup, the makeup in that movie was spectacular. I thought I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't hate the that CGI movie. stuff. Yeah, they were, um, they were emoting so much more than even the Tim Burton one CGI. And I don't like CGI. And and the CGI in this stuff was oh, the motion incredible. capture in this thing is amazing. It was yeah, amazing. No, no those apes look real. Performances comes right through. It's really yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's acting. Performances. They're real performances. Right. Yes. Exactly. He's Caesar. My, my expectations were very low because of the um, the Tim Burton one. Yeah. And I, I was going to see it because we love Planet of the Apes at my yeah. house. But my expectations were just completely blown away. And then for the next one, my expectations were really high, and it delivered. Yeah. So if you haven't seen these movies, uh, yeah. Rise. No, they're all good. They're all very good. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. Good run. Absolutely. As as you said, in the first one was a good run too. The first five, yeah. I have a, oh, Blu-ray, yeah. I have a Blu-ray set with those, and it's just yeah. I love all of those. Well, also what's weird and Caesar is the character that the movies are about, so you don't have the same humans in every movie. Right. The next movie you have Jason Clark, and you have Gary Oldman and Carrie Russell, and then in the third one you have Woody Harrelson, and uh, this uh, essentially oh, yeah, Woody was great. over Andy Circus's performance. Yeah. Uh, it is the most emotionally engaging, incredible thing. Yeah. So it's good. Good set. Good set. All right, Debbie. Now we get to clean up the whole thing with a with a. Clean the hills scene. are alive. <laughs> well, More Nazis. my movie that I picked was *The Sound of Music*. It's my favorite movie. I watched it today with my five-year-old granddaughter, and the movie to me just really is such so sweet. It just uh, made me cry again today because my granddaughter was really into it. So. Oh, she was. I was going to ask you. She liked it. Well, she, she cried it. for 40 minutes and wouldn't watch it, but <laughs> well, yeah, she sat down it, 20 There was minutes. a lot of emotion going on today, as, you know, five-year-olds do that, <laughs> as well as 65-year-olds do that. Yeah. So I watched it with her, and it took a while for, you know, she goes, this isn't for kids, you know, the initial <laughs> part of it. But she did watch it when she was a young, when she was just really little, when she was about two. But anyway... This movie, um, as you know, um, it's based on a real story that happened. Um, well, the, the movie came out in 19, um, 
1965. I was 10 when I saw it. And I loved it from the beginning. I loved all the kids, you know. Um, the one scene, the scene that um, I picked was when uh, Maria is um, uh, in, in getting romantic with the um, captain. The captain. Well, is that accurate, or she doesn't know she's getting romantic? Yeah, it's okay. it's the scene I love the most because it's so it's so what happens, you know, when you first fall in love with somebody. You take that moment and you don't know you, her hand reaches out to him as you'll see and he says his hand and his face is like is she going to take my hand you know is, is this going to be okay but it's in front of all his children you know all the people at the party are witnessing it's in, you're you're doing this in front of people and it the acting for julie Andrew, andrews is so great she captures you know she even i think she even blushes uh, for real in the in the um, scene, well, but see. let's watch the scene. It's nice that we started with Germans or ending with Germans. I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> a nice uh, bookend. Yeah, das Boot. Das Boot. Uh, the sound of music. Always. Was every, young, ah. was every young woman in love with the captain? How did that go? <clears throat> oh. I just can't yes. believe Christopher Blair. I know. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a scene I could have picked, too, frankly. It is, it is um, a fabulous scene. I was also thinking of um, John scene. He was considering singing in the rain as well. But, um, you know, what do you like about that scene, Captain? Well, I like the fact that you know, Maria, she she's like right in the spotlight there where she's trying to be a good Christian person. Good nun. Good nun. And then, you know, she's there for to help this uh, captain with his children. That's her boss. And then the children, she's got to be respected among, you know, for the children's sake. So she's got a lot going on emotionally. You know, she she's, she definitely has feelings for her boss. And then her children, too, which are her you know, she's got to be upright and not, you know, any of that. You know, technically on. speaking, this relationship would be actionable today. Yeah, but, you know, it goes against, you know, what it really would happened. be. What really happened? Well, I, was Christopher you know, Columbus motion captured or was he real in that one? <laughs> he was real? <laughs> he was real. Great performance by Christopher Columbus. Oh, so. yeah, he was great. Because you know when he when when they're dancing, you don't get that from what we just watched. It's too slow, or you know, the, it's not translating very well. But it, you know, he's got his hand up there for her to take the dance, and she's like, uh, you know, like slow. And he's thinking too, maybe she's not going to be there for him. You know, what's going on for him? You see, the both they're questioning, and I love that uh, part when they show deep internal. Um, Feelings going on, external, you know, that's external that you're watching. Something that's yeah, so. Yeah, because they, they cut to the, the the gauze scene on her. Right. Got all yeah. her, her eyes were all watery, all gauzy. Yeah. Oh, what just happened here? Oh no, that's love. You know, I know I'm you love this movie because, as you'll find out later tonight, Ralph. It's the second time you've uh, 
you've brought this to the table, this movie. You love this movie. I just movie. love this movie. It's just so sweet. What was the other scene you were going to bring? Uh, what was the name of that one? Body Heat. Body Heat. Where they <laughs> wow, there's opposite ends of the planet. No, no, no. Breaks into the house. Same Christopher Plummer's going to throw her down on that floor? <laughs> huh? No, it's where they throw, he throws the thing in and breaks the window. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, this, this, is, this is the, I don't know. That's the pure one. Yeah, I actually thought it. when she's on the mountain spinning around singing the song, that's the f- scene I thought you were going to pick. I like that one too, but I like the, um, you know. The courtship. The courtship. Yeah. This is yeah. another one of those movies yeah. where, you, you know, you could pick almost any scene, and it's a classic scene. Yeah, classic movie. yeah. It, I mean, like I she was saying, we we have a we have a great way to say goodnight, and everyone knows that scene if you've seen yep. the movie. Yeah, I mean the the music. I mean, it's some movies are classics for a reason, and every inch of them is a classic, and that's one of those. Yeah, when movies. we did it, that is a beautiful movie too. Yeah, when we did it, it was really <laughs> shot beautifully. Yeah, when we did it for the original podcast that Debbie had done, I don't know, two years ago, I had to watch the movie. I say I had to because I didn't want to watch it. And then I watched it and I loved it. I'm like, oh, my God. Because you remember every single scene from that movie is mm-hmm. in there. Culturally, mm-hmm. it's in there. And, mm-hmm. she was, and she was beautiful. And, Christopher and you know what? Plummer she was, still looks great. I know. You didn't God, age like Christopher yeah. Plummer did. I love her so much. You and the girl from, uh, who was the, the girl from, uh, who's the little? Lost uh, in space. space. Right. The Lost and in Space. Nicholas Hammond. Hammond. Oh, she's a great performer. Nicholas Hammond, who played Spider-Man and the director in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Was in that. Oh, that's who that guy is? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you guys think of that little break from the norm? I loved it. It was good. It was Thank fun. you, John. Yeah. It was fun. All right, good. Next week, we have good. a... I will tell you, though, it makes me want to watch some of these movies. I want to watch my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, let's watch uh, them. Next it week, we're going to have the triumphant return of Al. And some, of you some of you don't know who Al is. I don't think. Uh, well, yeah, Drew's yeah, probably the only right. one. Drew and John haven't seen Al. I'm going to have a little special five-minute cult classic thing he wants to do at the end. Okay. okay. I, I, I don't want to give away the movie that he's going to do the first time. We'll let him pop in and do that. Um, okay. So we'll determine the next movie for next week sometime this week. <laughs> I don't know who's next. Who wants to go next? Oh. Well, Joe, you're up. All right. Just okay. tell us. Give us a couple days so we can watch it. Okay. And then don't uh, tell us Tuesday. I'm Sucker Proxy 2. <laughs> yeah. I'm still, hey, I got my fingers crossed for that. <laughs> We're going to make it this week and then. <laughs> what takes 30 years to get up to the 45th floor? Oh, oh, oh my God, I'm sorry. Hey, don't forget to subscribe. Hit notifications. Oh, yeah. God. Please. You see John's head disappear. Come on. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about it. John, we had those huge numbers last week. So you huge. are comfortable. I am telling huge. you what, I feel good about this right now. 259 <laughs> people, most of them friends and family, but who cares? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you have that many friends. I begged a lot They can tell week. two friends. I'll I never tell do that. two friends. And I never so begged, on, and I so on. Now we'll come crashing down to reality. Right. <laughs> but, uh, this is a good one, so yeah. we'll um, – See what happens next. Hey Ralph, week, have okay? fun tonight. Whatever you do. And good luck on your date. Yeah, it's not a date. <laughs> not a date. I mean, Debbie, it's not a date. It's oh, now on the eighth day. It's now on the eighth day. Raymond, are you paying? I'm, I'm literally having a meeting. Oh. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff to talk. Are you paying for this meeting? <laughs> oh my God, you are unbelievable. <laughs> Podcast is wait, over. Wait, you <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>